0: How do we grow by strength or resolve? Can we make it so? Can we shape the course of our lives according to our purpose and designs? Or add a single hour to the measure of our time? How can we ever venture into what is unknown when we are incapable of the smallest change on our own? Looking back over the span of our lives, we can see the marks that testify to how far we've come, how much we've grown, how much of His grace we have been shown, the marks of maturity on our lives, the evidence of the work of Christ, the seed that He has planted in our heart. The Lord has also watered and will refine every part. It is his intention to give it growth until it comes to fruition. He has sealed it with his oath that he who began this good work in you will see it through. In this lies our hope, not in what we do, but we do not grow alone. Our roots are intertwined one with another so that your strength is mine. While we wait in expectation, no growth can be seen. The tender shoots that so quickly spring up must grow strong, lest they remain frail and green. Would we be overwhelmed by perils in store that his timing seeks to prepare us for? Let us endure our trials with patience For it's in his goodness that we trust and hold fast to our commitment, resting in his faithfulness to us. His goal is for our good. On this, our assurance falls that he who began this good work will surely make it grow tall.
1: started a series called Fully Alive, and Tim had the opportunity to be able to teach us and share us what does it look like to, to really and truly allow God to work in your life. You know, how does he, you know, God inspires us to know him personally and to grow with him spiritually. John 10, 10 lays it out, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you can have life and have it to the fullest. We want to live our lives and be fully alive. You know, we talked about last week, you know, growing in our own walk with Jesus, loving God and loving others. You know, talked about developing a spiritual growth plan. What does it look like to meditate on his word? What does it look like to pray daily? What does it look like to be able to connect with others and to fellowship with others? And, and then to be able to, to give God our time, treasures, and our talents to be able to, to contribute with those things. You're doing just a, a, we're challenged to do a spiritual growth assessment. You know, this week I hope you took time to go in and to, to print that out and to be able to, to do a spiritual growth assessment in your own walk. If you didn't get the chance, it's on our website under last week's message. You can click on that link, print out the spiritual growth assessment, and, and it'll take you just a few minutes. Take about, about 30, or 30 minutes or an hour just to spend some time with God, reflecting and seeing how you're doing in your walk with Him to grow spiritually. Take some time to do that. If you didn't get a chance last week, man, we pray that you would do that this week. Um, today, we're gonna continue to develop that, build on what we talked about last week and how we're led into a triumphal procession you know, through Christ. What is your aroma? That's the question. What is your aroma? What is your aroma? What do people see when they are around you? What do they sense when they're around you? What do they experience when they're around you? What is the aroma that you have? Do you have the aroma of Christ being led in that triumphal procession? What does it look like in your life? The way that we can, we can continue to do that. Scent is the, the most powerful of the five senses. It's the most powerful of the five senses. They say that just by hearing a word, you can imagine your brain automatically fires and you can remember the scent. You can almost even smell it. I'm gonna say a word. I want to see if this works with you. I'm gonna say the word orange. Right now, you can think of what an orange smells like. Fresh sliced orange, nice fresh cup of orange juice. Anybody else getting thirsty or hungry in here? All right, so the opportunity for for you just to hear a word and to be able to, to put it in play. Onion. You know, think about slicing an onion. All of a sudden, you know, you just, your, your senses get overwhelmed because if you've done that, you know, some of you are tearing up already. You know, you know what it's like to slice an onion. It just, that sense is there. Think about a banana. You know, the odor of a banana. You can just tell and you can just see that sense. Those different odors, those different aromas that your brain locks in. There's some different aromas that stick with you as well. They stick with you. You know, if you're, if you're out camping with some friends, or camping with your family, the next day you go home, and what does everything smell like? Smells like the campfire, smells like the smoke, right? That just aroma, it sticks with you. You know, my favorite restaurant, Waffle House. All right, can I get an amen, right? All right, so, you know, you go to Waffle House, you meet somebody there at six o'clock in the morning, you go through your day, at lunchtime, you're walking into the restaurant, and all of a sudden you're like, I smell Waffle House still. Why? Because that aroma just stays with you, it sticks with you. You go to Waffle House, you're gonna smell like Waffle House the rest of the day, which is not a bad thing. Somebody asked me, it's like, hey, what is that you wear? I'm like, Waffle House, yeah. So, you know, that aroma that just sticks with you. There's different things, there's different times, you know, that that when you when you're in a situation and you leave that, that aroma just stays with you. It sticks with a locker room. You know, you go to a locker room, you recognize that odor, you know, you recognize the odor of a locker room, right? You recognize what it's like. It's just certain things, certain aromas that just stick with you. You know it. You catch it. You remember it, okay? If you've got a teenage boy, you know what I'm talking about, all right? Teenage boy, especially riding down the road, okay? All right, riding down the road, you've got to roll the windows down more than once, okay? Why? Because that aroma that's about to make you puke in your mouth, all right? There's different aromas that stick with you. Some are really good, and, man, some are just putrid. So from there, you know, what is your aroma, what is the aroma that you have? As you guys open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16 this morning, and we'll hit 17 at the end. Open up, while you guys are turning there, let me tell you where this kind of ties in from. It's talking about being led in a triumphal procession. It's talking about being led, you know, in the aroma that happens with that. So back during the, the, the Old Testament times, two kingdoms would go off to war. And as these two kingdoms would go off to war, they would fight against one another, and when the, when the, the battle was over, the victor of that, that, that war would come back into their hometown. And as they came back into their hometown, there was this huge celebration where everybody would come. They'd fill the streets, and they would throw flowers out into the, the streets. They would throw roses out into the streets. They would have this huge celebration and this, this victory of this battle that they've won. And as those soldiers came back in, it was called a triumphal procession that they were led into. As they came back into the street, all the people of the kingdom were cheering for them. And and, and as they walked down the streets, the soldiers' feet would crush those roses, soldiers' feet would crush those flowers, and it would release this aroma, this beautiful aroma that would just fill the air, that fill the streets. We know it as a sweet smell of victory today. That's what would happen. As they walked back in, that aroma would fill the air, that sweet aroma of victory, filled the air during that triumphal procession. But yet, for some, it wasn't so sweet. For some, it wasn't a sweet aroma. Because, see, what would happen is the ones who were defeated oftentimes were brought back in and were taken back into the town as prisoners or captive. And one of two things would happen with them. One, they would be killed publicly as a message to everybody else around that says... Don't mess with us. If you mess with us, this will happen to you. Or they would be indentured servants for the rest of their lives. They would be prisoners, and they would be serving that kingdom for the rest of their lives. So to the soldiers and to the town, it was a triumphal procession. It was the victory, the sweet smell of victory. But to the ones in the back, the ones who were prisoners, the ones who had been defeated, it was the sour stench of death, that same aroma to one was so sweet, but to the other, it was a sour stench of death because they knew their life was over. What is your aroma? Let's read this. Second Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. But thanks be to God who always leads us in a triumphal procession. Always, every time. And through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. As a follower of Christ, that's what he does. He gives us the opportunity to be that aroma, all right? Verse 15, for we are the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, we are the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? You see, not because of anything we've done, not because of anything that we could merit, but because of what he has done. We are led into that triumphal procession because what God has done for us through Jesus, we're led into that triumphal procession. What does that triumphal procession mean for us? It means, number one, that that we're connected with Christ. We're connected to him. When we truly surrender and give him the opportunity to let us live our lives for him, that's when we experience the fullness of life. That's when we're fully alive. And so we are connected with Christ through that triumphal procession. The next thing it does, it, it, it helps us to be compelled to grow in his word. As we continue to grow, not only do we grow and we're filled up spiritually, but, but guess what? We have the opportunity to share that with others. So we're connected with him, and man, we grow in his word, and we share that with others. We're called to do that. It's our responsibility as a follower of Jesus. It's our responsibility. It's not just some church staff. It's not just some missionary. It's all of us. If you're, called, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've surrendered your life to Jesus, guess what? You're called to share him it's not someone else's job. It's us. That's what we do. We live our lives for him. For we are, the, 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 we are to God the aroma of Christ. What do people see when they, when they are around you? What do they sense? You know, thanks to him, he leads us in that triumphal procession and through us. It's not just through those people. It's through us. It's not just through the staff. It's through us. It's not just through a missionary. It's through us. It's not just through somebody else. It's through us. As a follower of Jesus, it's through us to be able to share what God does. We are the aroma of Christ. We are the ones. To the one who is being saved, man, how sweet it is. But man, to the ones who are are perishing, how sour. It's that stench. What is your aroma? We're called to be the aroma of Christ. What is your aroma? Is it pleasing to the Lord at home? Is it pleasing to the Lord at work? What about at school? What about at play? What does your aroma look like? What do people sense when they're around you? Do they sense that, 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 that pleasing aroma of the Lord or is it a sour stench? What are you? You know, sweet smell of victory in Jesus or is it a stagnant scent of hypocrisy? What does your life look like? You know, are you the fragrance of forgiveness or you fall out of the plague? What is it? See, because to one, you're going to be one. To the other, you're going to be the other. Does that mean you change it? No. You live your life for Jesus no matter what. You live your life for Christ no matter what it costs you. That's what he calls us to do. See, I I, I don't want to be a stench in the nostrils of God. I don't want to be a stench to him. I want to be what he calls me to be no matter where I am, what I'm doing. It doesn't change. Live your life for him. If you've accepted Christ, man, you're forgiven. You have the Holy Spirit, live like it. Don't be one of those sour Christians that turns everybody else off about Jesus. Go to another church. Seriously. That's it. This place here, we want to live our lives for Jesus. Day in and day out. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, live it. Does that mean you're not going to make mistakes? No, you're going to make mistakes. But when you do, man, own it. Give God the opportunity to redeem it. That's what he does. Give God the opportunity to use you day in and day out. When you struggle, when you fall, James, 2, it, it, James 1, 2 through 4, it doesn't say if you have trials. It says when you go through trials. When you struggle, what do you do? You get people around you. We're going to get to that. When you get people around you and you allow them to be able to walk with you through that. That's what we do. Being a hypocrite is saying that you don't have any problems. That's what it is. Being a hypocrite isn't being, saying you're a Christian and struggling. That's being a Christian and struggling. That's being a follower of Jesus. And when you struggle, you go to others. A hypocrite hides it, poses, pretends, and performs. That's what a hypocrite does. That's what he's not, he's not called us to be that. He's called us to be led in that triumphal procession. No matter who we are, no matter what we do, if you've you've trusted in him, the Holy Spirit's with you. He fills you. But if you haven't accepted him, guess what? Man, it's time to wake up and smell the roses. Because listen, he desires for you to have a life and have it to the fullest. I don't know where you are, I don't know what you're struggling with, but I can tell you one thing. I've been on both sides of it, and I'm going to tell you, life is so much sweeter with Jesus than it is without him. That's it. It's so much sweeter with Jesus than it is without him. When you surrender your life to Christ, guess what? It is just the beginning. Accepting him is just the beginning. Accepting is just the beginning. Verse 16, to the one we are the smell of death the other we are the fragrance of life and who is equal to such a task it's our responsibilities as followers of jesus to share that with others it's like tim says i'm just a beggar who is going and telling other beggars where i found bread that's it that's what it means to be a follower of jesus you're telling others where you found bread that's it i'll share with you a few years ago i was in a country in the middle east I learned about, we were visiting some of our workers there, and I learned about from one of our workers the story of a guy named, we're going to call him Muhammad. Muhammad was a guy who was an extreme Islamist. He was a part of a a, a group that if I said the name, you would recognize it. He was a a part of of hatred. He was devout Islam, and he was continuing to grow and and to do the things that he wanted to do. He was becoming a leader in this organization. One of our workers, there was a God-ordained moment one of our workers, God spoke to him and said, you're going to meet with this man, and you're going to tell him about me no matter the cost. You're going to tell him about me no matter the cost. God ordained an appointment. He did. He sat down with Muhammad. Muhammad began to ask questions about who Isa Messiah was. Who is this Isa Messiah that the Quran talks about? Who is this guy? How did they switch his body? It wasn't really him who died on the cross. They switched his body. Who was it? That's what the Quran says. It wasn't Jesus who died on the cross. They switched his body. So our worker began to ask him some very powerful questions. Tell me about it. If it wasn't him, who was it? Began to tell him more about, the the, the show him Jesus in in the Quran. And talk to him about the truth of who the Messiah is. The Messiah is not someone, the Quran even says that he's the Messiah, that he will one day come back. That's what the Quran says. Quran said that, that Jesus will come back. He will return as the Messiah then. It began to open it up and just to unfold and that veil began to be lifted. And Muhammad accepted Jesus as his savior in that meeting, knowing that it could cost him everything. He went back to his hometown and immediately he went and invited all of his friends to come to his home. He invited all of his neighbors to come to his home and his family to come to his home. He went inside his house and he ripped the bathtub out of his house, carried it out in the front yard, put it in the yard, filled it with water, and he baptized himself, knowing that it could cost him everything. Because of his faith, some of his family and a couple of his friends believed. But because of his faith, The organization that he was a part of came, and for two weeks, they would bring him out, and they would publicly beat him and get him, trying to get him to renounce the name of Jesus. But he stood strong. He continued to fight and to say, I will follow Jesus. He would study and he would share when he had the opportunities to do so. The third week, they came in, they gathered everyone from the the town, And they brought him out in the streets. They drug him out into the streets. And as they took Muhammad, they threw him on the ground. They gave him one last chance. Renounce the name of Jesus or you will lose your life. They began to take the knife and put it to his throat. And as they did, his wife ran inside the house, came running out with the Bible our worker had given him. And she came out into the streets as they slit his throat and said, my husband died for this and so will I. Because of her faith, The town rose up against the Islamic extremists and drove them out of the town. Many came to know. And today that town is a stronghold for the gospel in a dark and deprived region. Why? Because the faith that he had, no matter what it would cost him, he knew it could cost him his life. Why are we afraid to tell our neighbor about Jesus? He knew it would cost him his life. Why are we afraid to tell somebody else and to ask him at school, hey, can I pray we, I know your, your family is going through a tough time right now. Why are we afraid to do this? Why are we afraid to share about what Jesus has done in our own heart and our own life? Why are we afraid to do that? Because the enemy comes at you and he throws stuff at you, throws doubt at you, throws fears at you. But guess what? He has given us the opportunity to do so. He leads us in that triumphal procession. That's what Muhammad understood. He understood that there was a triumphal procession because of anything, nothing that he had done, but because of everything that Jesus had done, that God was going to give him the opportunity to live his life, live it to the fullest, even if that meant losing it. That's what happens. When we live our life for him, it's just the beginning. Accepting is just the beginning. Who is equal to such a task? We are. Who's equal to such a task to do what God, gives, God calls us to do? We are the ones who are equal to such a task. Where are you at in your faith journey? Where are you at in your walk with Jesus? Where are you at in this deal? See, because he's called all of us to do what he calls us to do, to share his word, to live for him. That's what he calls us to do. Who's equal to such a task? Where are you at in your journey? What keeps you from either accepting or sharing the story? What keeps you from accepting him? What keeps you from sharing him? The enemy wants to do anything and everything he can. He's come to still kill, and destroy, but I have come that you can have life and have it to the fullest. Where are you at in your journey? See, I'm gonna give you a, a snapshot of the gospel through Levi, through Matthew's eyes. 2,000 years ago lived a tax collector named Levi. He encountered this guy named Jesus. And his life and his identity was changed forever. It's a trail that just a snapshot of Jesus' for procession for us. It's just a snapshot. Bear with me here. In Matthew chapter 1 and 2 it says all of this took place. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had declared. Jesus was born. John prepares the way. Jesus is baptized. God says, this is my son whom I love, and I am well pleased. Matthew 4, Jesus says, come follow me. 5, 6, 7, and 8, he lays it out. You're the salt of the earth and light of the world. Where your treasure is, your heart will also be. You will recognize them by their faith and follow me. Let the dead bury the dead. 9, 36 through 38, where he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He told his disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to provide workers for the harvest field. The, workers are, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray and ask him to send the workers out into the field. Chapter 10, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father in heaven. This is Jesus laying it out. It's a snapshot of that triumphal procession. 11, come to me all who are weary and burdened. My yoke is, 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 is light. Learn from me. I will give you rest. I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is light, my, bird, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is Jesus laying it out. This is just, just the, the snapshot of what he, what he laid out for us. 12, he says, he who is not with me is against me. 13, we hear about the good soil. He understands. Man produces a crop that is 160 or 30 times what is sown. 14, Peter lays it out, says, truly you are the son of God. Truly, you, this is through Matthew's eyes. Truly, you are the Son of God. The triumphal procession, just a snapshot of what God leads us to. Fifteen, this lady comes, she brings her daughter, or she bring, comes and tells Jesus, my daughter is very ill. The disciples say, shoo her away. We have too many other things we've got to go do. She gets on her knees before Jesus says, cries out, please help me. Jesus says, you know, the time's not come yet. You know, it's not right to take the the the... the food from the children and and throw it to the dogs, to which she replies, but yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus looks at her and says, woman, your faith has healed your daughter. Let, just pause for a second, let us be, let us at least be the dogs that are willing to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table because, Lord, your crumbs are greater than any seven-course meal that this world has to offer. Amen. That's who he is. That's the triumphal procession he wants to lead us in. That's what he desires for us to be able to do. Where are we at in it? It's a snapshot of that. Picking it up in, verse 16, in chapter 16, Jesus answers the question that every person born of this earth will have to answer one day. But you... What about you? Who do you say that I am? It's a question every person, believer, non-believer, doesn't matter where you are, what religion, whatever, you will have to answer that question one day. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Again, in chapter 17, God spoke about Jesus during the transformation. This is my son who I love and whom I am well pleased. He says, listen to him. Listen to him. Snapshot from 18 through 25, Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep where he leaves the 99 to find the one. Because why? God is not, doesn't wish that even one would be spared, one would, would, would be perishing. With man it's impossible, but God all things are possible. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but he gave his life to, to serve and he gave his life as a ransom for many. I tell you the truth, that if you have the faith to tell this mountain to move, it will go and throw itself into the sea. Love the Lord your God with everything that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. He tells us that he who wants to be first is going to be last. Those who wants to be last is going to be first. If you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled. If you humble yourself, you're going to be exalted. He continues to lay it out. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will stand forever. I tell you the truth, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. Matthew 26, he looks at his disciples after he had said these things, and he he tells them, I will be turned over and crucified. Son of man is going to be handed over and crucified Later on, he goes on a little bit further. He fell on his face. He prayed before the Lord. Lord, please, if it is at all possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but let your will be done. He didn't matter. He was willing to count the cost. 27, we see Pilate questioning, who is this Christ? Who is this Jesus who says he's the Christ? What shall we do with him? The crowd answers, crucify him. He is nailed to a cross, hung there. God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then with his last breath, he yells out, it is finished. My father has kept the promise he made over 2,000 years ago to Abraham that his people would be blameless and pure in his sight, not on your own accord, but because what I have done right here, it is finished. But it doesn't end there because the women go in 28, 27, they look for his body. The angel tells them, He is not here. He has risen just like he said he would do. And then God, Jesus gives us our final marches orders in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. Surely I will be with you always. And this is just the beginning of your story. This is a snapshot of the triumphal procession God has called us to. It gives you just just an image. What what the tax collector named Levi saw, who encountered a man named Jesus, and he changed his life and identity forever. What will you do with this gospel? What will you do with this? My husband died for this, and so will I. I. What are you doing, willing to do for this gospel here? What are you willing to do? Who's equal to such a task? Each of us. There have been times in my life where I've been so far away from God, I was putrid, I know. My aroma was anything but pleasant to him. He would look at me and turn and say, I can't fill you in my spirit because of what you're doing. Where are you at in your journey? Where are you at in your trail? Man, I've been putrid to the Lord, filled with anger, lust, hatred, selfishness, fill in the blank. Where are you at in your journey with him? Are you allowing him to do the things that he desires for you to do? I don't want to stink in my walk. I want to be fresh. I want to be 2 Corinthians 5, 17 fresh. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Man, that is powerful right there. What do you do if you're struggling? What do you do if you're walking strong? I'll tell you what, either one, no matter whether you're struggling or if you're walking strong, the difference is this. Man, you you get in his word. You allow him to renew you. I want people to know about Jesus because I know the difference he's made in my own life. So what do you do? Man, if you're struggling or if you're strong, pray for God to renew you. Pray for God to continue to to keep you renewed. Pray for him to reveal any unconfessed sin in your life. Ask him to deal with it. Ask him to redeem it. Confess it. Ask him to redeem it. Seek him and his will Strive after his word. Allow God to be able to use your life for his glory and share it with others. Share it with others. That's when you come alive. That's when we're the aroma of Christ. To some, man, it's going to be the sweet smell of life, but to others, it'll be the sour stench of death. Look at verse 17, back in 2 Corinthians 2. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 17. Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity like men and women sent from God. Where are you at in your journey? What are you willing to do? See, taking a look at that, man, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity like men and women sent from God. He didn't save you just to let you sit. He saved you to send you. He desires that all of us would be able to share what he's done in in our lives. Why do I share what Jesus has done in my heart and my life? because he's made a difference, and I want other people to see and experience that. I'll tell you a story. Two years ago, I was in it was about a two-week trip. We're going to three different Middle Eastern countries um, around Syria um, over about a two-week period. We were flying. We have been in one country for, for a little while, meeting with some of our workers. We were flying from that country out to another one, uh, to this other city. city uh, landed about. We flew out about 2.30 in the morning, landed about 6 a.m. Uh, from there, we went into the city to meet up with... A a Syrian refugee who um, the family we had met doing ministry down in Clarkston. We had been doing ministry down in Clarkston, met this family down there that was from Syria. Um, There, one of their family members lived uh, in the city we were going to and man, just another God story for another time. God ordained a meeting for us to sit and to meet with him and to share with him. From there, we had the rest of the day to kind of go out and to to prayer walk and to kind of explore the city. And we went out. This is a city where there's very, very, very little chance you're ever gonna see or hear anybody else speak in English. And so we go through the whole day, You know, luckily had a guy that, that spoke the, la- the language that was with us and uh, man, you never heard English spoke. It was just a, a, a completely, it wasn't gonna happen. And so that evening we had to catch a flight on the complete opposite side of the city from another airport, it was about an hour and a half away. We get on this bus and we begin that journey. A couple of stops into this bus, let me, let me explain some cultural things to you. In this culture, a man does not speak to a woman; a woman does not speak to a man. In this culture, a a, a man does not have any kind of physical touch or contact with a woman in public. Um, if you brush up against someone, you could get in trouble. Um, if you're on a a bus or if you're in a public and some, you know, there's a, men will sit with men, women will sit with women. It was just one of those things that in this culture, these, these kind of interactions don't happen. Women do not look at women in the eyes. It's just not a part. You don't look at women anywhere. It's just you, you move the other way. That's just the way it, it is in this culture. We were sitting on this bus as it's getting crowded. Um, you know, we were a few stops in, and, and this uh, just out-of-college-age lady gets onto the bus, and she's carrying a lot of stuff. And so one of my travel companions, he stood up, and moved out of the way so she could set her stuff there in that seat. Instead, she set her stuff on the floor, and she sat down in that seat. Now I'm sitting there going, uh-oh, uh-oh, not supposed to be sitting here. You know, but I had, had the seat first. She came and sat down. We go a couple more stops into it, a few minutes into the, the ride, and, you know, we're talk- I'm talking with my, you know, two other guys that are traveling with me, and, and we're talking a little bit. No one else speaking English, and all of a sudden, she just looks over and speaks perfect English to me and begins to talk. Asked me where are you guys from, what are you guys doing, how are you got, began a conversation. We're in a town, in a city where you don't hear that English, so began to share with her my story, began to tell her, ask her questions about her life, began to ask her questions about you know what she thinks and what she believes, and just had a great conversation. Ended up having a, a good conversation about faith and about my story and my journey and what God has brought me through, and she turned out to be a nominal Muslim. Uh, Muslim by name. Her name is Fatima. Her name is, we're going to call her Fatima. She's, um, for her protection, not going to use her real name. Fatima was, uh, grew up in a Muslim home, uh, but was very angry at Allah God because of what she had experienced growing up and things that she had seen and where she was at in her life. She was very angry with God. We began to, to talk through the differences of God. I began to take and talk about where they talk about Jesus in the, in the Quran. Began to ask her questions about who, what she thought of him. Began to tell her more about the relational God that we see in Scripture, not the dictator who demands that you do these actions and follow through with this stuff so that you can have a chance to go to heaven, but not really be uncertain if you will or not. And I introduced her to the relational God, the relational Allah God, who desires to have a relationship with her, who desires to be a fatherly figure. You will find over 100 names for God in the Quran. Not a single one of them is father. It's not seen like that. Began to just share with her the story about Jesus. She began to tell me the lies that she had been taught about who he was. And we began to to ask powerful questions about who he really truly is. She stopped me in the conversation, she said, You I, you need to know something. I was not supposed to be on this bus. I said, what do you mean? I was not supposed to be on this bus. And she's getting emotional. What, what do you mean? What, what's, what are you talking about? I was going to get on the bus that was ahead of you at the stop. And as I was stepping on the bus, this man put his arm out and said, this bus is not for you. The next bus is yours. And she said, I was puzzled because I looked on the bus and there were seats open everywhere. And I just kind of brushed him to the side, stood around him and went up and I scanned my card. My card wouldn't scan. So to scan her card three different times, the bus driver finally looked off and said, you've got to get off the bus. I've got to go. So she stepped off the bus looking for the man who told her this bus was not for her. The next one was for her. Wondering why her card was not working that she had just put credit on a few hours earlier that day. Our bus pulls up, she scans the card, goes in, sits down in the seat right there that opens up for her. She was sitting on a bus she wasn't supposed to be on, talking to a guy she wasn't supposed to be talking to about a a prophet that she didn't know if she could believe in any longer. Learning about a Savior that she had only known lies about. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. She accepted who He was. She accepted Jesus as the Messiah and began to learn about. We'd sat there and downloaded the Bible app. God had orchestrated that a worker from the fellowship that I was at before was now living in that city. We're going to be meeting up with them in a few days she had been living there for 2 years was going to be there for a while longer told Fatima that I'm going to get this person in contact with you she lived less than 30 minutes away and she began to meet with her and disciple her and to teach her about who Jesus is only God can do this it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter what you everywhere you are whatever you do live your life for him you don't have to go halfway across the world you can cross the street cross your house Cross the lunchroom, cross the office. You don't have to live halfway across the world to tell somebody about Jesus or, or move halfway across the world. You can do it day in and day out. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, live your life for Him. Every day, wherever you go, whatever you do, allow God, allow God to use you in your life for Him. What is your aroma? but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession through Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death, but to the other, we are the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we don't peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, we are sent and speak because of what God has called us to do. Like men and women sent from God, we speak with sincerity the gospel. What are you going to do with this book right here? What are you willing to do with your life? What are you going to do?